thought I would read Psalm 102. It's a prayer of an afflicted man when he is faint and pours out his lament before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will, re will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when, when the peoples and the kingdoms assembled to worship the Lord. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, Do not take me away, O my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. What a great psalm. What a great psalm because here we have the first half where we recognize the writer, the speaker recognizes their, shall we say, weak and almost insignificant um, life that they are, right? That we are when we compare ourselves um, to, to God. And so at first it may seem like it's sort of like a little depressing, but 
the second half, as we, as you've heard, it's it's all of the glory and the power and the majesty of God. And because of that fact, then it's even more amazing that such a powerful supreme being can still love us as if we mattered. Right? Because we do for God. But if it wasn't for God, then that's what we would be, insignificant. Right? So, like, I keep thinking about all of those television shows and films and and even in non-science non non-science fiction non-science uh fiction realms like lecturers here in academia in the university uh scientists that uh don't believe in god you know here they are and i should say we i guess cuz i'm part of the <laughs> the system of academia but hopefully I can change that and, and bring some truth here. Anyway, so the point I was trying to say is that uh, all these scientists are constantly trying to prove that there's life in other planets simply for the fact to show that we are significant, that we mean something, right? So, like, there's so much detail and discussion about Okay, what what happens if Mars, for example, has life that, that they can prove that there's actually life there? What happens, right? So like we like so much emphasis and money and effort and thought is spent on getting to Mars and trying to prove that there is life up there. But what about the time, effort and money and thought spent in the aftermath? Like, okay, so let's suppose Let's suppose we live in the non-Christian scientist world where they do prove that there's uh, life in Mars. Then what? What's really, what is it that we want? What is it that is the highest desirable effect? Right? Is it, is it, is it to just say the fact that there is life on Mars and therefore... The probability of other planets uh, having some type of life? Is it is it just to say that? Is it to maybe grab some type of biotechnology that maybe they're hoping that can cure cancer? I highly doubt it. See, there's so much, there's like zero, almost nil discussions about the aftermath, right? The after effect. Which leads me to believe that the only conclusion why non-Christian scientists and other people that want to believe in that ideology is just to prove that we are significant, right? That we can be loved by something else outside of our world. That we can mean something to somebody else as well, right? That we can be significant to another life form. Because when you share that kindness and care and quote-unquote love, then we expect that in return. And by all means, that's how we are designed. But that's where we're faulting. We're not directing that towards 
something that is absolute truth, something that is absolute peace, and something that is absolute love and compassion. So, I really like this verse. <laughs> I hope you did too. Hope you have a good sleep. Good night.